Welcome to Talk Flagler. You're looking to local personalities, businesses, and everything west of the beach waves. I'm your host, Joey Santos-Jones. And on this episode, we're talking to Rosanna Vinci, Flagler Beach Police Detective. Rosanna, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me here. So you knew uh, young that you wanted to be a detective. I believe it was age. We were talking about that before the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was there anything in particular that drew you to it? And what was the process of getting your career going with it? Well, it started um, just at a young age. My my grandmother, which was very uncommon um, back in the days, it would have been in the 30s or 40s. um, She was a police matron. And she would tell me some stories here and there. And I was always intrigued. She was a great um, storyteller and would tell me little things. And that was always intriguing to me. And it was very uncommon for women then to be in law enforcement. Um, And, you know, at the age of 10, um, I was in the D.A.R.E. program at school. That's when they had the D.A.R.E. program. I remember the D.A.R.E. program too. Yes, yes. And um, the uh, instructor we had was a Daytona Beach officer. And I for this day, still try to remember the name, but most of all, I remember um, just really looking up to him and Mm -hmm. him being a great role model. And I just knew at a very young age that this was my path. This is what I wanted to do. And nothing really steered me from it. Like you said, with your your grandma being a storyteller, being a detective is essentially putting stories together. Correct. Yes. Putting stories together, making sense of them. um, And, uh, relaying it in a way that people can understand what occurred. Um, You've been compared to talking about stories. You've been compared to Sherlock or generally having Sherlockian uh, talent for investigations by locals. Uh, Do you agree with that assessment? Um, I I do. Um, I actually kind of um, look back and kind of joke with my significant other about it as um, I kind of do things in an old fashioned way. Mm -hmm. Um, Law enforcement now has a lot of technology. Investigators use a lot of technology, which is very helpful. Um, Being from a small agency, we have a small budget. So I don't get access to a lot of those things sometimes. And I have gone to the old fashioned, what we call knock and talk. And I will go door to door. I will kind of, I kind of go back to the old way of investigating and, and do it that way, which seems to work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, technology uh, could be a crutch sometimes probably in some cases, because it knows what it knows, even though it could process information. Right. You going to the people directly, they see it. They see it. You get it firsthand. um, And sometimes you stumble across things that you wouldn't find in a database and you stumble across those things and it starts to really pull the case together or could be the major break in the case. And you find that by actually getting out in the field, talking with people, you know, walking and doing the knock and talk. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, I know a lot of our listeners uh, and especially when we said you were coming on the show, they take us through the process of when you're starting an investigation. Cause it, to me, it seems overwhelming because with investigations, you're almost coming at the end of whatever happened at that point. Uh, you know, I'd like to think it's a huge magnifying glass and uh, the tweed coat. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> how, how do you generally start something? So um, normally a call will come out and it will initially start with a road patrol officer who will gather um, the information quickly. And that's one of the most important parts of the investigation, because by the time it gets to me, it could be a couple of days. It could be hours. 
um, and evidence can start to diminish. So um, the Road Patrol officers are, are very important in the investigation with gathering all of the information they can get available at the time. Um, I will review the information and, you know, they only have so much time because they're responding from call to call. And then I will start to kind of pick holes into where I can investigate further yeah. or take that evidence and move forward with it, what, where I can go with it. And I will start using some databases that I do have access to to start pulling histories um, and things like that, just to kind of give me a better understanding of which direction I need to go and what I have. Um You've been the recipient of several honors recently for your work, uh, not of the least, is, which is the Florida Police Chiefs Association Officer of the Year Award. Yes. Uh, what's it been like to be so frequently lauded as of late? Uh, it's overwhelming to me. Um, I, I'm appreciative of the awards and it's it always anybody it feels good to be recognized for your hard work because it is a lot of hard work. Um, but that's I look at it as I'm really not there for that. Um, I, I could, I don't want to say or seem unappreciative. Um, award is, is not the thing I'm seeking. Um, I get my most satisfaction on closing a case. So I'm more driven towards that than, than doing it for an award or anything like that. I could, if I didn't get one, I would probably not even think twice about it. Um, I get more kind of that, um, I guess high, when I get a confession or when I get answers and can provide a family closure. And that's almost like way better than a plaque to me. <laughs> so Yeah. Cause it's like 59 minutes of work for maybe one minute of like a reward from doing it all. Correct. Yeah. So that's where, that's where my satisfaction really comes in is, is by getting those closures. Uh, over the last month, you've been involved in what's been described as a modern day Bonnie and Clyde case. Mm-hmm. We're talking stolen jewels, rare coins, Liberty dollars, six state spree of crimes. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about this story from your end of things. Um, so I had just actually come back from a couple days off and received this report of a burglary of a residence which um, I was excited to see because looking at all the hard work that the initial officers did, they took their time to process the scene, which helps me so much. Um, um, So they, they did fingerprinting. They, they lifted prints. They, they took stuff for uh, the Flagler County Sheriff's office CSI to help print with that could be a little bit more complicated to do while on a scene. Um, And Going over all of that, I was really hopeful. I'm like, okay, we're going to catch these people. We're going to get it. And I was I was more focusing on local because it's not very common for us to get an out-of-state person. Usually, a lot of the times, the crimes like this are done by local people. Yeah. And somebody would have known that she was out of town for sure. So um, it wasn't until our um, records clerk, which I refer to her as Constable Butner. Um, <laughs> she's an English teacher um, for many, many years and, and uh, moved up this way. And she um, had recognized that we had recovered a stolen vehicle out of Virginia um, days prior. Wow. And she felt that the two cases were linked and I am very open person. I will take any information I can get and see if it fits. And if it doesn't fit, I move on to the next piece. And she had a very good reason why she felt like this could be one and the same. 
And looking into it, it was determined that they were one and the same evidence from inside that stolen vehicle that was recovered, um, <clears throat> matched to evidence from within the, the residence, um, physical evidence. And we were able to link those people, stole the truck. We recovered the truck before they could return to it, leaving them with abandoned now yeah. <laughs> in <Flagler> their <laughs> beach and they decided to break into this lady's home steal her vehicle which they needed the most but while doing so decided to take their time and shower and eat and they, they also out. left a sari on a whiteboard in her house they did they, her un, unfortunately her husband had recently passed wow. and um they did come across the ashes in her home um which let them know that you know her husband had passed and they left a sari we're homeless. Um, sorry that we damaged your home and um, sorry for your loss, which was, you know, to me really set fire under me because that's a bigger slap in the face. Yeah. Uh, you know? Um, so I, I started to put things together and um, a detective from Pennsylvania reached out to me. Um, and with that, we were able to link our cases together, which links to several other agencies. And then we started realizing we have this couple who's, um, you know, terrifying people from here all the way up to Maryland. So, um, and, and that's exciting to me to think about cross state, all of you referencing and putting together a puzzle. Cause obviously it's easier. At least I feel this way when I'm doing it myself versus teamwork. Mm -hmm. Cause you feel like, well, I think I know better where yeah. these pieces go. Uh, so, so talk to how that works because you have someone reaching out to you directly. Yes. Um, does anybody have more authority over the case or is it an even between all agencies? At this time, our case is actually, um, not to diminish it, but it is is kind of like the lower on the totem pole um, when it comes to the level of crime. Um, we have burglary and we have grand theft. Gotcha. And we have, um, you know, theft of property and vandalism, which are, are felony charges. However, they have armed robberies. Um, and it's it intensifies. And once you go across state lines and you are engaged in armed robberies of banks and jewelry stores, it becomes more of a federal case. So the FBI becomes involved at that point. And they determine, is this a case we want to take? And it seems that they do. So um, we're kind of on the lowest on the totem pole. Um, their cases are going to be much higher and looked at. Just based on what they were. Correct. And a possibility is, you know, once once a trial and the process goes through, that they may only take those armed robberies. And then once they complete their sentence, then they will look at our charges. Um, as far as our attorneys would come back with, with our charges. It all depends on how they all work it out. From my understanding right now, they're looking at making this a universal case, which would be absorbing all of the charges. Gotcha. So, you know, in their particular case, I feel as if people read the first part of the Wikipedia page of Bonnie and Clyde, but don't read the end. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> like they got away scot-free. <laughs> yes, 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 they did. Um, and our hopes is that... Um, they don't. There's always, you know, um, they have to go through trial and they have to go through the process and and looking at all of the evidence and, um, you know, we'll see at the end. But I, I feel that all of our cases combined together, the evidence is overwhelming and um, it, coupled with confessions. I mean, that's the nail in the coffin. So um, there's there's a it's it's a pretty strong case. 
touching on uh, a more sensitive one, uh, there was an incident on I-95 overpass with someone threatening uh, mm-hmm. suicide on that occasion. Uh, walk us through the life-saving efforts of you and your fellow officers in, in something like this occurring. Mm-hmm. I have I have the, been um, given the opportunity to work on the Flagler County Sheriff's Office hostage crisis negotiation team. So um, I work on, covered under the Sheriff's Office with that and I train with them um, and go through a lot of different types of training. Um, when it comes to a situation like this, it takes hours of training. You learn a lot. I just recently completed, um, uh, negotiations, with people with mental illness and understanding how to reach a person. Um, in this particular situation, we had a young girl who, um, climbed up on the 95 overpass. And once we get on scene, I was, Kind of relieved to see that a couple of the negotiators on my team were, were there. Um, and that helps because we really do work as a team um, in finding which person gets the rapport. Um, we stick with that. And then behind the scenes, the other um, negotiators are kind of helping pull intelligence um, to kind of feed to the, the negotiator so we know what to stay away from and what to talk about. Yeah, it helps uh, create the relationship between the two of you. Correct. Uh, we obviously, as negotiators, we don't want to, what we call triggers, bring up anything that's yeah. going to trigger the person. That in, that scene was a very intense scene. It was my first time negotiating with a person on an overpass. Yeah. Um, it was emotionally draining. It was physically draining trying to hold her. Um Luckily, and that's the the great part about having the team with you. One of our team members came up with the idea to um, handcuff her to the to the fence, the fencing on the yeah. overpass, and that kind of lowered our intensity down, knowing that she's secured to the fence. Yeah. Um, it was a situation where, if it it was a very scary situation, but if she would have said, "Look, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home." We were stuck with that fence and barrier between us. We couldn't get her off of there. Um, And she would have had to climb and she was already weak. Um, So it was just a very scary situation knowing we couldn't help her even if she wanted help. Yeah. Um, And we were waiting for the ladder to get there. And and that just felt like forever. Yeah. (laughs) Stretching time and minutes because obviously you want the situation to to, uh, be – finish in the best way for all parties. Mm -hmm. But in this particular situation, you're waiting. Yes. Yes. It was a lot of waiting. Um, She did attempt to jump even with the cuffs on. And, you know, although we felt relieved that the cuffs were there, there's also the fear, is she going to slip out of the cuffs? You know, traffic was still moving on 95. We hadn't gotten it shut down. So a lot of things runs through your head as as a negotiator. Um, What are you about to see? how are you going to react when you see that happen and how are we going to move from that and make this go the way that we need it to go, which is obviously have her in a safe place or have the person in a safe place and out of the situation. Is this going to, you don't know how it's going to end at that point, good or bad, but you have to try to prepare yourself for that. Yeah. Um, as a detective with the Flagler uh, Beach Police Department, what's your relationship with your contemporaries across the county, uh, such as the Flagler County Sheriff's Office, Bunnell Police Department? Are there often op- operations where you're working in tandem with them? Yes. Yes, we do. We are, our, um, our county is very um, 
privileged and blessed to have each other. I've worked in another agency where it hasn't been very close. Islands. Yes. Between, you know, different agencies, they hold things close to the vest and they don't want to share information. They don't want to work together. When you do that, just like the Bonnie and Clyde case, one agency might have information that the other one doesn't have that can help each other out. You have to tear down that veil um, between agencies. And our county is a prime example of being able to do that. Um, I work very close with the sheriff's office. Their detectives help me. Um, a lot of scenes that you work um, sometimes take more than one investigator. There's a team of people working and I don't have a team and they have become my team. So if I need help, they will send whoever I need to help me out. And we do the same with Benel to the point where the sheriff's office and their investigative unit uh, created a desk for me. So if I need to come in there and work with them, I can. And if I need to turn around and get help, or additional assistance to do an interview and going to a home. We'd never go alone. Um, They're willing to do that. And they've always been very open and helpful with any questions. They've always made themselves available and I'm, I'm very thankful for them. So. Um, One thing we always ask our guests um, and it's always fascinating to hear what the response is. What's a lesser well-known service provided by uh, FP uh, PD that you think Flagwood Beach residents should know more about? Well, especially for the Bonnie and Clyde situation, um, <clears throat> something that we offer that some residents don't know about is we do we have a house watch system. So if you are leaving out of town, um, all you need to do is come up to the front office of the Flagler Beach Police Department. You fill out a house watch form. And what we will do is twice a day in the morning and in the evening, we will go to your residence. We check the doors. We check the windows. We make sure your vehicle is secured and okay. And we do this until you return home. And this is a service that a lot of people don't know about. Some do. We usually have frequent, you know, uh, residents that will come and and every night we, uh, our officers and every morning we go and check your residence for you to make sure that everything is okay and secured. Yeah. And for anybody who might've been scoping out the house, just seeing an officer there. Mm -hmm. It could deter a lot of of crime when they start seeing the patrol cars and they start seeing that it it will deter crime. So, and it helps the officer make aware of um, what looks familiar and what looks out of place. Yeah. So it kind of helped me help each other out that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Flagler beach. Mm -hmm. uh, What draws you to this area? So funny thing is, is when I first started with Flagler Beach, I didn't know where it was. A, a friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine, I lived in Port Orange, said, and I was looking to be employed after the academy. And they said, you know, you should try Flagler Beach Police Department. They're looking for an officer. And I was looking for a job. So I said, well, perfect fit. Right. I was like, where's Flagler Beach? Um, and I got off into this little town off the 100 and, and pulled into Flagler beach and, um, something about it. It wasn't where I expected to go. Mm -hmm. I saw myself in a big agency, just like out of the movies, bustling everywhere. And And I was like, well, something about this place. Um, I I really do like, and, um, I started my career in Flagler Beach. I did leave for a little while. Um, Flagler Beach is a is a very small town. So yeah. being a new young officer, you want to experience a lot to make yourself more well-rounded. Mm. And um, I did go to a larger agency. 
um, learned the pros and cons. I learned a lot of investigative techniques um, and got to experience um, things on a faster pace. Yeah. And it kind of helped me when I decided I wanted to come back. Um, and I was thankful Chief Downey um, <clears throat> had me come back. And um, it just seemed to allow me to help the residents better by getting a little bit more experience. And um, unfortunately in Flagler beach, we don't, fortunately, but unfortunately yeah. we don't have a lot of crime. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we do, it's always something surprisingly, surprisingly yeah. strange. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was, I'm able to kind of handle those things a little bit better now with the experience that I got and it helps me help our residents. So, uh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, Rosanna. Thank you. Um, and if we have any, uh, of our listeners reach out, any questions, we'll forward them over. But again, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here.